Welcome into the seventh edition of the Sports Roundtable in this April the 2nd, 2019, being brought to you by Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville. Mention you heard this ad on 96.7 and receive $5 off your initial membership fee by Shortcuts in Morgantown with a $12 haircut on Tuesday and by Brouhaha, where the coffee beans are brewed in-house and the coffee is delicious. Today, we are talking about the fallout from a disastrous Mountaineer basketball season. Now, the fourth player is possibly gone in Sagaba Kanante as he adds his name to the list and he has declared for the NBA draft. And also, Trey Dooms, Lamont West, who has already found a team, and Andrew Gordon have all entered the transfer portal. Then, in our second segment, we'll be talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the first week of opening week is already done and question marks have already risen for the Pittsburgh Pirates, dropping their first two of their first three games. So sit down and listen to the next 30 minutes of the Sports Roundtable being brought to you by 96.7 K-Country and streaming online at kcountryradio.com. Today I have Neil Waldeck in studio as Kelly Gamble is out this evening. Neil, how are you? I'm doing good, Aaron. Thanks for having me on the Sports Roundtable. Uh, well, we're. I'm looking forward to discuss. I know you have some pretty adamant opinions about what's going on with the WVU men's basketball team in Sagaba Canante. What do you think about his decision, just starting right off, going to the NBA? Well, Aaron, that's a. I believe this is uh, something that he wants to do. He wants to get into the NBA. That's where Canante wants to do, and so he's going to dip back into those waters without signing a agent and see where he's at, even though he did not play the whole season. He only played in about seven or eight games, and he does lead WVU in blocks, however, so that he has on his resume, I guess you could say. But will he be selected by the NBA? Is he going to be a good? I don't think so because he just didn't play much. Uh, no one's going to see. He needed that this year to show the NBA scouts that he was who he says he is, a great player, someone who can get in the middle of the lane and block shots, and he didn't do that. He got injured, and the question is, is one, well, one of my questions is, is, is he healthy? Is he 100% healthy for the NBA tryouts? And Because they're going to give him a workout. They're going to see how well he is, and we're going to get a chance to see how well his knee is. And the question is, is can he make an NBA team? I don't think so. I think that he will be back, but I think he'll play by Bob Huggins' rules. I think he's, you know, Bob has made it clear that, hey, it's my way or the highway. You can come back to this WVU team if it doesn't work out in the NBA, but you're going to play the way we want you to play and not be shooting the ball at the top of the key, hitting three three pointers whenever you feel like it. Um, I think he's got to play something. If he does come back, I think Bob Huggins could see Kanate playing something like a, a Zion uh, Williamson uh, who can post you up but then can also hit that shot from the outside if need be. But I think he wants them wants uh, Kanante to be more posted down low uh, for those easy shots. Well, I know Kanante only played in he played in eight total games. He only started seven of them. He had twenty two blocks this season, which he was on pace for a pretty good season so far. He had lingering knee issues. I think even throughout those games, you could tell he wasn't a hundred percent. But 
he 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 was I think he was trying to expand his game, and I think that's one of the issues that really helped him not be able to focus this season and the the other factors that caused the debacle this season the the cancer that was in the team I think also hurt him a little bit. But do you think that if he comes back, do you think he'll be a problem next year? Well. I don't. I don't think he'll be a problem. I. I don't think so because uh, he, you know a lot of those cancers that was within the team are gone now. Here's my thing, and me and another guy was talking about: Do you start Kanate, Culver, and Shibway all in there at the same time? Because now you got to think about foul trouble situations. You don't have no depth. Unless you get some big men coming in uh, off of these uh, scholarships uh, from some of the players that have left, or do you do you set Shibway on the bench and start Kanate uh, at your center if he comes back and Culver in the starting lineup, and then have some depth there at the center and bring Shibway? Would you would you do that? Now the person I was talking to said, why would you not start a five star? But the the question is, you're going to put all your players out there, and if you do fall into foul trouble, you could see them all on the bench well, real quick. Well, if you don't play the five-star, he'll be one and done for sure. He'll definitely bolt after the first exactly, year so. if you don't start him. And then if you start three big men, you're only leaving two smaller guys out there, so you're not having the speed to get down the court. Exactly. Because uh, stereotypically, not being rude or anything, Bigger guys on the court generally don't get down the court as quick as the smaller forwards and your point guards, which brought this press Virginia style like like Dax Miles, Javon Carter, who are no longer there. Do you ever see a revitalization of press Virginia, or do you think that's long gone now? I do believe it's long gone, but now remind you, he does have these scholarships that are available, and he's looking for men uh, to come in. And help him right away. So is he looking for those kind of players that can help him get Press Virginia back? That could be a possibility. I'm thinking he's looking more for somebody who can flat out score the basketball. We didn't have a shooter out there. We don't have no one who can score the basketball other than McCabe. McCabe shoots well. Uh, Haley, he's more of a slash slasher. He's going to run to the basket. He doesn't shoot from the outside that much. And I think that Coach Huggins is wanting somebody who can flat out shoot the basketball. And with those uh, scholarships that he has available, I see him going out and getting him some guards that can shoot or can shoot and drive at the same time. One of the things I forgot to mention in the introduction is one player I alluded, or forgot to put in there is Beetle Bolden also left. Beetle he Bolden's did. not going to be back next year. So who's going to be your point guard? Is it going to be McCabe? I think McCabe will be... Uh, most likely will be given the, that opportunity to take over. Uh, he has the whole off season now to work on his uh, progress and become a, a better point guard player. But I do believe uh, McBride, who has already been offered a scholarship, is a point guard, and he will be coming in and will compete uh, for McCabe for that starting role. And one of them then will be moved to uh, probably the bench, uh, whoever doesn't make it. But you also got to remember Napper is a point guard who is also still on the team that will be competing at that point guard position. Well, the one thing I want to say in terms of Sagaba is I, I honestly don't see him coming back even after he has declared for the NFL, the NBA draft because what he put on Instagram, his post saying thank you to Mountaineer Nation, saying how much we gave him the hope that we gave him the 
the just the warm welcome we gave him every game and cheering him on. I think generally when a player puts that kind of message out there, he is not planning on coming back, and that, that's why I don't think he's going to come back. But do you think this is a – And if he if he's not, then I would take it that uh, he got uh, Bob Huggins' message. Well, I, don't come back and think you're going to just do whatever you're going to do. You're going to either play by my rules, and we're going to try to develop what we had – and uh, and maybe Kanate uh, doesn't like what he's being told. So hey, I'm gonna go and try to because it's kind of funny. They did offer him uh, the uh, red shirt uh, scholarship uh, so that uh, because of his injury. But now he's gonna go in back into the NBA water. So why do you do that if um, if and red shirt him when you knew that he may even opt to go to the NBA? So uh, my question is, my thing is, is I think that Bob has sat down and talked to Kanate. And told him, look, this is how it's going to be if you come back. It's not going to be the same as it was. And you're going to play the way we want you to play. And he has opted now to go and seek uh, playing time in the NBA. If he can get what he's looking for, then I see him going. And I really do believe that uh, he may opt to just go to the NBA no matter what. Well, and I mean, I agree with you and everything you're saying. And I, and I, I think it's ridiculous that... He would not agree with Bob Huggins and saying to you're going to play this way or it's the highway because he's been successful in his first two seasons playing. He did play last year, but very limited amount. He's already the blocks leader. He's shown consistency in the games he's played. He shoots excellent from the free throw. He's an excellent from the field shooter in terms of the shooting that we did have this season. So why what I I'm just wondering what's in his mind to think why shouldn't I come back because he's already had an exceptional career so far but I think it just takes uh, I mean he even if he did come back he wouldn't be here after next season anyways but if he came back for that one more season had a full season healthy his numbers have went up from his first 3 years and they, they were on they were on pace to go up even after last year where he had over 77 blocks i mean he's he's on pace to set monster numbers in his junior year if he would play but well but in here again Aaron, uh though he was playing out of position he was shooting threes there was nobody underneath because culver wasn't playing at the time that canate was out there so we didn't have no one who was rebounding and that's why we struggled against buffalo if you remember because Kanate's up at the top of the key shooting threes you need him down low to get rebounds and if he's not there who's rebounding you don't have nobody exactly you don't have no big- so so I think that that's where Huggins is saying, hey, you come back, you're going to play low post. You're not going to be shooting threes at the top of the key anymore. You did that at the beginning of this 2019-2018 uh, uh, season, but you're not going to do that in the 2019-20 season. Well, as much as I follow him on Twitter and Instagram, anyways, he posted a photo the other day of him shooting threes, and he was constantly making them. And somebody was was posting up on him and in his face to block him, but... He, he he must think he can still shoot threes. Now there are big people in the NBA that can shoot threes. The the main the main one of my thought is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. He can make those three point shots, and he is a bigger size dude. He's the same, somewhat the same size as Sagaba. So, well, I want to go away from the Mountaineers <laughs> because because it's all it's a, for me. It's just drama right now. It seems like there's a new story coming out about that basketball team just coming out from this year. Um, I want to talk about the Final Four and a surprising. It was March Madness. I mean, the teams are in the Final Four. You would never have expected, at least 
three of the teams to be in the Final Four, with the exception people probably thought Virginia. A lot of people probably thought Virginia would make it to the Final Four. But the other three, Michigan State, Auburn, and Texas Tech. Texas Tech, by the way, lost to WVU in the Big 12 title game. So, shocking to say the least, right? And and you got to think, now, Virginia has not got to the Final Four since 1984. So, it's been quite a while since Virginia... And they had lost to Houston, by the way, in the Final Four. But Auburn and Texas Tech, it's their first time in school history of making it to the Final Four. And, of course, Michigan State, Tom, is it, what can you say about him? He's a, a great coach, and, and he's got his Spartans back to the, the Final Four. I think it's might have been 10 years since uh, they've been there. But, nonetheless, it should be an exciting Final Four. Who now we're now with the shocking Final Four. I know my bracket was shattered early on. Who do you have winning it all? Well, you know, after, I mean, now are you asking me from my bracket standpoint or are you asking me what I'm seeing in the Final Four at this point in time? If you had to choose the Final Four teams, the Final Four teams as it stands right now, who, as it who, stands who right wins now. it? I, I am thinking that Auburn is my pick. I think Auburn has knocked off North Carolina and did it pretty handedly from an ACC school. And then they uh, knocked off uh, Kentucky. But Kentucky is a team that's in their conference that knows them very well. And uh, they was able to pull off that victory against Kentucky. I like Auburn and Michigan State in the matchup for the championship. And I think that Bruce Pearl, a great coach that he is, gets his first title. I see it. I think that this Auburn team is very, very good. They're very talented at every position. I like Auburn. I would, I would have to, I would just, I, I would agree on the on the premise that that's going to be the national title game, but I would disagree to the point. I think Michigan State's going to win. I think Tom Izzo wants his championship. I think Tom Izzo has had lots of heartbreaks in his seasons where he's made it to the Final Four. He's had the team that a lot of people thought was going to be cutting down the nets, and it, they just didn't fulfill themselves and win it all. Kind of like everybody thought Zion Williamson was going to be the one and done to win it for Duke this year and look how that panned out. So I, I, I just think Michigan State with Tom Izzo and the, the high pressure moments he's been no no uh discrediting to Bruce Pearl because he's definitely been known to be a winner as a basketball coach at the collegiate level. I, I just I think Tom Izzo wins it and I I think I think it's gonna be a classic. I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. I think it's gonna come down to the wire and I think it's gonna come down to the last few possessions. I just hope it's not like games of recent to where officiating becomes a part of the game, to where officiating is the final remembrance of the game. Let the game be great for what it is, and don't let the officials get involved. Now, Aaron, my bracket-wise, now if you're going to go by my bracket, and I told Kelly this um, off um, off the air, but my, my bracket pick is Virginia. I have picked them to, to win uh, on my bracket. And I still do believe that they have a chance, a, legit, a legitimate chance to, to win the, the thing because of their defense. Coach yeah. Bennett is a, a defensive-minded coach. His father was at Wisconsin. He is as well. Uh, and um, that wouldn't surprise me. But that's my bracket pick. But now that the Final Four is all the teams that are in there, I still like Auburn. I think they're playing good ball at this point in time. Could be the surprise. They're a number five seed. Who would have thought they would have got to the final four? They're there. They're my surprise. 
Well, I can see Virginia wanting to avenge last season's uh, yes. loss to UMBC getting yes. knocked out, which got me some free pizza from Little Caesars last year. But I think that's all we're going to touch on basketball right now. We'll see how it plays out, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be talking about the the Final Four results uh, next week on the eighth edition of the Sports Roundtable. But we're going to take a break now, and then we're going to come and talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates and the the first early signs of their season, the first week of the season is over with. They lost two or three games, one of their games being canceled of which, and a pretty sloppy game on opening day at PNC Park yesterday, to say the least, where the bullpen was, to say the least, very shaky in the end. And I think, I think, I think for me as a fan... It's a little bit troublesome if you're having these type of issues to where you don't have your 6th, 7th, and 8th locked down when you very well should. I don't think Richard Rodriguez should be coming in late innings and trying to close the door when you got Crick, Kella, and Vasquez. It shouldn't be Crick, Rodriguez, Kella, Vasquez. You're using one more pitcher, and you have to. And in the span of 162 games in the baseball season, I think you want to be conservative but at the same time, if the game is there to win, don't you want to win? I mean, if if the game's a toss-up, yeah, throw some pitchers out there that that are statistically against those hitters can match up against them well. But if it's opening day at PNC, it's against the NL Central opponent. You you know, division victory, division wins are what puts you in the postseason come October. Would I, I I just disagree with Hurdle's decision making yesterday? Well, and uh, well, it depends. You know, you put in Rodriguez. He's uh, looking at batting order, batting situations. He has a lot of things going on. I think that's why you saw Rodriguez in there um, after uh, Crooks uh, was uh, pitching the sixth inning. But I, I don't know. There was a lot of mistakes from uh, even the, in your infield. Uh, it just wasn't all pitching that was the cause of this uh, loss uh, to St. Louis there on opening day. So, you know, the, the Pirates has got to remember they're a team that don't have power hitters. They don't have no one that's like a Goldschmidt that St. Louis has. So when they have a 4 to nothing lead, they have to really concentrate really hard on what they're doing. They can't make mental mistakes because if they do that, then they're going to lose, and we saw that. So once they have a lead like that against a tough team in their division, as St. Louis is, they can't afford to make mental errors as they did in that home opener. And that's what cost them the game. And if they're going to do this, then they're going to find themselves at the bottom of that division because they can't afford to make mental errors like that. Which nobody thinks the Pirates are going to win the division anyways. Much can't less even than, compete in it then. Well, well, well they, if, if yesterday is a sign of anything to say for this season, they're definitely not going to compete if you have a shaky person at shortstop in Eric Gonzalez. But here's here's my question. What we were talking about before everything started, if Bell is shaky, why don't you put Moran at first, which he showed yesterday that Moran can't hit. He drove in four of the five Pirates runs. You put Gung you put Gung at third base, Eric Gonzalez at Eric Gonzalez at shortstop, and then Frazier at second, and now obviously you already have your outfit outfield set up. But now 
I don't. I don't think it was all the defense. Definitely. I mean, they did. They did have two errors yesterday. But when your closer blows a save on opening day at the ballpark, when all the momentum's there, I could understand it a little bit more when you're playing at St. Louis on opening day and you blow the game because everybody's there. It's the it's the spirit of the first game of the season. Everybody's all excited. So the crowds as raucous as it's going to be come a playoff game. But when it's a sell a sell out game at PNC Park, nonetheless. I think I think it's a little bit cause of concern. Now he does it. Now he's done it before. He's he's right the ship before, and I think he will. But is it concerning for you that Vasquez blew the save this early in the season? No, because he didn't look well against Cincinnati either, uh, Aaron. If you just saw him play on Sunday, he was kind of shaky. Gave up a, a hit. I uh, just didn't really pitch well. Didn't see what we saw from spring training. So. It doesn't surprise me that he pitched that well uh, the way he did against St. Louis in the home opener because he didn't pitch that well against Cincinnati on Sunday. Now, for Vasquez, he'll get it together. He has done this before where he has struggled. He comes out of it. So I don't think it's no alarm. I'm going to still stick with Vasquez as my closer uh, if I'm hurtled. I don't uh, jump uh, to conclusions here or jump to the, jump the gun, whatever you want to say. And, um, you know, the – Hurdle is trying to do the best he can, and like I said, if Rodriguez is your only complaint as to that cost you the game, I don't know if that actually cost you the game. Um, it didn't help, but it didn't cost you the game. Well, uh, and and again, uh, you he just put him in, and I think it was due to who was batting and who he thought that Rodriguez matched up better with in, in, when they were up to bad at that point in time well here's the whole issue i have yesterday you took archer out after the fifth inning where he was a pretty steady arm yesterday he didn't give up he didn't give up any runs he did walk a few batters but he struck out eight his pitch count got very high due to the walks due to the men getting on base due to having traffic he definitely wouldn't say i had to say had a stellar performance such as trevor williams did against cincinnati on sunday but he still he he looked a lot better than he did uh, last season when he came over from the Pirates, where his first start at PNC Park was a loss last year, and he 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 was very shaky. He started true. He started uh, solidifying everything there come when the season was already done. But I think Archer, I think Archer's going to be the biggest uh, question mark in your in your pitching rotation because if I think if if Archer is healthy and he stays afloat, you got three men that are very capable of winning. I like Joe Musgrove, but Musgrove has not shown consistency to me. He he does pitch well, but I, I don't I don't like him too much consistency wise. He does give up four or five runs some games. Some games he pitches well and I, that's a, that's a, that's the way of a lot of pitchers. Now you got a question mark and Jordan Lyles as your fifth man who's so supposedly starting this Thursday, everything's up in the air for his four game series against Cincinnati. But I think the pitching rotation is very solid. I know you talked about how you thought they should have rolled everything out come the beginning of the season. You don't think Archer should have started yesterday? No, I. if it was me, how I would have done it, I think I would have put uh, Trevor Williams as my uh, opener in Cincinnati, and then I would have probably either uh, went with Archer or um, Musgrove there uh, to pitch uh, the second and third game. Uh, then I would have had Tyone as my uh, uh, home opener pitcher uh, on, uh, which would have been on Monday, uh, to 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 open the season up, and then 
either went back to to Archer as my second day pitcher or uh, went back to uh, uh, Musgrove or whoever at that point in time. Now, Musgrove uh, did uh, get some pitches in against Cincinnati, and uh, he went uh, two innings, perfect innings. He did not uh, give up a run or a hit in those two innings. So I don't know about that. I, I like Musgrove. I think he's a long, lengthy, tall pitcher. I uh, can get the ball, uh, sees well over the plate. I like him. I think he will do well. And uh, like I said, um, actually their strength for this Pirates team is the pitching. Now, I'm not quite certain on Lyles yet because I haven't had a real good chance to take a look at him. But the the four, uh, I believe, are the, the, the those are solid pitchers in your pitching uh, rotation. And that's what's going to make or break this pirate team is can their pitching keep them in ball games? And right now I would say, yes, they will. Because, I mean, you take a look at yesterday's game, Archer keeps them in the game. They only lose by one in 11 innings, even though they did make some errors. They got to correct the errors and the mental mistakes. And then if they can do that and continue. Now, some of your errors and came across the bullpen, but not your main starters. Archer, like you said, pitched an excellent game. Trevor Williams picked, uh, pitched an excellent game on Sunday. And then you had Tyone, who pitched a pretty decent game on Monday, or the uh, opener at Cincinnati. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, the Pirates have assembled a very good starting rotation for the money that they have spent. Everybody knocks the Pirates for not going out and spending money, but they have put together, with the exception of Lyles yet, because we don't know how good he's going to pitch, they put it. They put together a pretty good, solid starting five rotation yeah, they did. with the money that they have spent. I mean, they 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 done a salary dump this off season, trading and Yvonne Nova to the Chicago White Sox because he was due so much money. Right. So that saved the money. And I don't think Yvonne Nova was that steady. Anyways, he did pitch good games, but he was never consistently good. He'd right. have a game where everything he was struggling, everything would get out of hand, and then. Nick Kingham last year, he never really solidified. He had a couple good starts there at the end, but then he pitched a game against the Mets where he was just getting tattooed every time he went out there. Every time he threw a ball down, if it was a strike, it was getting hit, hard contact. I mean, he was getting outs, but, I mean, when players are hitting it good, eventually that's going to change to where the ball is going to start getting elevated and balls are going to start flying out of the park. I think the question mark for me, and just like everybody else in these first first week, is that bullpen needs to be solidified. If you get that bullpen solidified, I think everything else will come around. Give the give the give the fielding guys time to solidify. A lot of those guys, Adam Frazier, this is his first full year at a starting position. This is Eric Gonzalez's first real full year playing any position in the majors. Then you got Melky Cabrera, who's starting at right field right now because of Chisholm being out. So you got a very new look Pirates team. Jung Ho Gung being back. I mean, this is the first time in like three years since he's played. So a lot of these guys haven't really had time to really gel together yet so they don't know each other too well in the field and i think that could have been attributed to the very sloppy game yesterday i think give it time come around this season i'm not saying the pirates are going to contend for the nl central as much as i would like them to i think they could sneak in on a wild card possibly i think a second wild card spot with how good the nl central is going to be but i think this season's going to be this is 
you get what you spend this year. You didn't go out and spend the your biggest signing really the offseason was Lonnie Chisenhall. Look where he's at right now. And then you signed Melky Cabrera to a minor league deal, Jordan Lyles to a minor league deal, Francisco Liriano to a minor league deal. So you got all these deals of players that used to be great, and they still may be. I'm not discrediting them because they are major league pe- baseball players. They're there for a reason. They definitely got the talent to play in the major leagues. But I just don't know if if enough is there to push the Pirates across the finish line. Last year, they had a shot. The Cubs series, if you do remember, where I think a max of four runs was scored in that whole entire series, the Pirates won one game, which was one to nothing. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm... You know, the Pirates didn't go out and get a, a, a bat, and that's what's going to hurt them in the long run. And I think that uh, that division is too strong. You know, St. Louis is, is strong. Their pitching may be a weak spot for them. Milwaukee, Yellick yeah, uh, has had four uh, four home runs in, uh, in his first four games. I mean, the guy's on fire. Uh, they're going to be right back where they were. They were contending for a chance to go to the World Series. They'll be right back. Chicago. They're kind of struggling. They had a what a three game series with the uh, Texas Rangers. Always tough to beat Texas in Texas, but uh, Chicago will open up their home opener against the Pirates. So uh, the Pirates are going to get their treat of uh, doing some uh, home openers for some some ball clubs. And I just don't think the Pirates has got what it takes to to finish up there. And I don't even know if they can sneak in. I really don't. I just think that this is too tough of a division. I think there's just too many, and the, and a lot of them went out and got bats, and the Pirates didn't. And I think that's gonna where it's going to come down to. Well, I think the big issue, another big issue that's happened and that is evolving in the MLB right now, Kelly and I have frequently talked about it, is with the Machado signing and the Bryce Harper signing and the Mike Trout signing, that all these owners are going out and re-signing these big stars so they don't hit the free agency market, the latest being... Okuna being the latest to get a signing an eight-year, $100 million deal. So, I mean, the MLB owners are going out and spending money. Jacob deGrom got a new deal. Justin Verlander got a new deal. Okuna got a new deal. Paul Goldschmidt got a new deal. The Milwaukee Brewers re-signed Mike Moustakas. So, money is just being thrown out by these Major League Baseball owners. And then you got the Pittsburgh Pirates who are signing these minor league deals. And the biggest deal that they've signed probably in the last 10 years was the re-signing of Gregory Polanco for five years and Starling Marte, which was not even over $100 million. So maybe it is time for somebody to start spending money. That's a good question, Aaron. And I wish I had the answers and why the, the Pirates won't go out and get a bat you know, you want him. They believe in the farm system, and they believe that if they can bring in a lot of their players from their farm system and let them play and get experience, that they'll grow stronger and they'll become a great ball club. But as you can tell, it don't always work that way, and you still need a bat, someone who with experience to come in there to help the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they just won't go out and spend that. But I tell you what, have you seen the Philadelphia Phillies? They, they signed Bryce Harper. The guy's off to a great start. McCutcheon uh, having a great game uh, as well, or so far to kick off the uh, the 2019 baseball season. So uh, 
Philadelphia Phillies are going to be a team to compete with. You you spoke of uh, Kuna getting a signed deal for the Atlanta Braves, but he's not. Uh, the Braves kind of struggling right off the, the bat. They struggled. Uh, actually, uh, Philadelphia swept them in a three-game series. So Atlanta not uh, playing uh, as well. But we've got a long ways to go. It's only the first week of baseball season. Yeah. I think a lot of overreactions are already happening just due to one week because you get so much information just out of one baseball game and so many many variables that could have been put in play that would have helped your team win or lose the game. And it's all a culmination after the 162 games as if you made the right moves. Well, folks, uh, we've ran out of time for this edition of the Sports Roundtable. For Neil Waldeck, I'm Aaron Host. Be sure to listen. You can listen to this podcast and all of our previous podcasts on all of your listening devices. You can search the Sports Roundtable in the Apple iTunes Store, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and be sure to check out our website, kcountryradio.com, where you can tune in and listen to the radio station live and listen to previous editions of the Sports Roundtable. And be sure to tweet me at AaronHost97 if you have any questions or suggestions for shows to come in the future. Remember, this show was being brought to you by Brouhaha, Three Guys Fitness, and Shortcuts in Morgantown. Till next time, everybody.